What's up, Dashley fam? How the heck are you doing today? Ash and I sit down and talk with Carly Thornock of Intentional House. Carly is a mom of three and interior designer, and she's also a family researcher. She earned her master's degree in marriage, family, and human development. And we had some really interesting conversation with her about interior design and how that's supposed to support you and your family. And we talked about parenting and she has such a positive mindset about the whole parenting and the parent-child relationship and positive tips and tricks. We're so excited for you to hear this conversation that we had with Carly. So without further ado, let's dive into our conversation with Carly Thornock. Okay, Carly, we're so happy to have you here. I was talking to Carly before we started the podcast, and I actually know her husband from long ago. We knew he was a missionary in my hometown, and he ate dinner at my house once. And it's just like the strangest, most far-fetched connection that I like never expected to see this guy again. <laughs> That's and, so funny. And here I am talking to his wonderful wife. We love Georgia. We love it all. We're so glad we're connected. Carly, I have recently read your book. She, Carly, So Carly's written this awesome book called Intentional House, and it's a month-to-month guide on how to kind of... The vibe I got from it was how to like create a sense of belonging for yourself and for the members of your family in this home and not have it be this, this job that you're always working to upkeep or this like burden, but to really create a sense of belonging and to turn like mundane into memories and and just create almost like a habitat for everyone in the family and I really really loved it Carly I'm so glad I love you said habitat that is how it kind of feels it's like the nest that you want to build for your family that shouldn't be a torture device it should be a tool yes I cannot tell you how much stress my house gives me and I I found you through one of our favorite Instagrammers simply on purpose she did a mini course with you and you had this crazy impactful line for me where you were talking about like the the, how we treat how we react to the messes that members of our family make is is interpreted basically like how we feel about their place in our home like how much we want them in our house and I and it was just like Tony Robbins says you can change in an instant and it was that I had that change where I just had I hard stopped how I react I don't know like it's built into me my family was very much a like, let's keep our house clean or like things are going to get stressful family. And I don't like, I don't want to be that family for my kids. And I can already see it like manifesting in them where they spill something and they're like, I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, mom. And I'm like, no, I don't know. I've made a change in an instant. Like I want you to, I don't want you to think that you're making a negative impact on our house. I love that that hit you that way. That's that hit me that way in college the same way. And that is why I've chosen to pursue this as a career, as a life mission, because it's so cool, the power that we have by using the things in our home. We can communicate to our kids, like just like you were saying, oh, what happens when we make messes? We just clean them up. Yeah, We can, like, you're welcome here. This is how messes are how we learn. Instead of having this, this go- thing going through their brain that's like, I can't make a mess. I can't mess up. I am a mess. Yeah. You know, these things that you could be programmed the other way for our kids. We could really make it a positive thing yeah, instead. Like, mm-hmm. Think about it. Instead of I'm a guest in mom's house, it's this is my house too. Like not, she's not the only one who's allowed to make a mess here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I make big messes in my house mm-hmm. as the mom, you know, but it's just my mess. And so I feel much better about it 
on default. But it's cool to remember that sharing space is sharing a life. Yeah, Carly, we're, I'm super interested to hear how you became, quote unquote, intentional house. Like, where did this journey start for you? Oh, man. Okay. So growing up, I always loved interior design and like sketching houses and all the things. That's what I would like doodle when I was in elementary school. So I was like, for sure, I'm going to be an architect and interior designer. And then I got a full ride scholarship to this college that had no interior design program. And I was like, well, free sounds great. So let's see what we can come up with. Mm -hmm. And I found myself doing an emphasis in interior design in their family studies major. So I was sitting in this like intro 101 class to family studies. And I was like, cool, we all know how to be a family. We've all come from families. Cool. Show me how to do watercolor renderings. And, um, and then just like how you said that you had an aha moment, I had this aha moment when my professor was like, the way we can use our visual and our physical environments to affect our family's connection. That is all she said. And I was like, are you kidding me? It's more than just how it looks. It's more like a house is more than a shelter, more than a picture perfect thing on social media, more than where we sleep, more than like what we yell at each other about keeping clean. Mm-hmm. It can be this like facilitated process. So I, I got my master's degree in marriage and family and somehow convinced my my graduate mentor to let me study this and run big studies on how homes impact families and we've published and been picked up by media internationally and it's been really really fun I just want to bring this this insight to moms in the trenches where we're the ones with the flour all over our kitchen floors we're the ones with the kid who's potty training, who poops down the hall and rubs it all over every single surface on his way to the toilet. Yes. Like we're the ones who are doing houses and that are messy. And if we can understand that really it's a powerful connective tool, we can just really embrace this power. And I feel like change the world. Ultimate world power will be ours. But, uh, For but real. that's how I got here. So. That's like, it's like uh, the most powerful quote that I always try to keep in mind is like, um, the, what is the, the most important work you will ever do will be within the walls of your own home. And there's like so many trench moments where you're like, no, this is not the most important work I will ever do. Like, no, that can't be right. Um, but I, it's just such a, a big picture thing. And you talk in your, I wrote down, I'm trying to figure out how to like have this conversation with you because I just wrote down so many quotes from your book. One of my favorite ones, though, that kind of has to do with that is making making the mundane meaningful or making memories out of the mundane. Mm-hmm. What Can you speak to that a little bit for us? Oh, I would love to. <laughs> it's like... So- we, we we do these day in and day out tasks all the time. Dishwashing. Like dishwashing. Ugh. Every Changing night, Dallin and I are just like, what is the point? There's we, more dishes. I, we literally do this it's eight never times done. a day. What Laundry. Is the never, point? ever done. Laundry. Yeah. I feel like I clean my toilet literally like seven times a day. I have three <laughs> boys that are six and under, and I'm like, how? How? Yeah, we just started potty happen? training our oldest, <laughs> and he's a boy, and I'm just like, this is a path I do not want to go down. <laughs> We need a you urinal, know, a full stand-up no, urinal. I don't want to clean anything. I just want an outhouse. Like, please use this outside. <laughs> I know, right? And I, w- we could this, s- subscribe to a porta potty service. This will be your space. <laughs> and the, I will can have we request own. a new one? Oh my gosh! 
It's so true. It's so true. And it doesn't go away. And these aren't the things that we're like, I'm going to grow up and get married and have kids and spend the rest of my life sweeping up crumbs. <laughs> yes. Boogers. Yep. So we find ourselves in this idea that those things are mundane in and out. And we don't really like them. There's a certain amount of like displeasure to it. Mm -hmm. But it's the same with messes like we were talking about earlier, where the reason we have these repetitive tasks laid out before us over and over and over is because we need to be learning something and we need to be growing in a different way than the task at hand. For instance, if our life's purpose were to be really good dishwashers, I'm pretty sure like I checked that off when I was 12 and a half. Right. But why or am I still- the dishwasher did. Right? Like... Or the dishwasher. Yeah, exactly. Like we have processes in place that can make me irrelevant. Why? Why? Why do I need to eat? Why do my kids need to eat three times a day? Why- do we need to keep washing laundry? What is it? What's the meaning? And when we dig a little bit deeper, we find that we can associate these tasks with either building relationships or becoming better ourselves. So now when I do the dishes, which is very low on my favorite things to do list, or it has been in the past, I either grab somebody to do it with, I call somebody to connect with while I'm doing it, or I plug in an inspiring talk or a podcast or I pray or I think about the problems that I'd like to solve in my family and my own life. You know, it just becomes a time, like a sacred moment mm -hmm. instead of mundane. And then I find myself repeating that three, four, five times a day. It becomes like a check-in trigger for me where I find meaning in this mundane activity that used to make me want to die. Now it makes, I live for it. That's huh. cool. It's like you're, it's like, uh, it's not about the dishes. It's like the dishes are just an excuse for you to do something that you've been wanting to do. What are some... Exactly. Yeah, sorry. I cut you off, Carly. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. If it was about the dishes, again, like we, that problem is solved, really. Yeah. But we're so lucky that there's a touch point that we are, it's imperative for us to have. It's just not about the dishes. It's not about vacuuming. It's not about the destruction of the quarantine. It's just about <laughs> living and loving. What are some other like tasks that you used to hate? Like how have you changed them in your home or in your mm -hmm. mind? In my mind. Let's think. That's a really good question. Um, I, I always dreaded changing diapers as like a young girl when I was babysitting for other families and I have three younger brothers myself. And so whenever I think about, Oh, diapers, it's so gross. I've tried to really lean into that one as a mom and I even cloth diapered my kids for a while. Oh, I did that and too. That's an adventure. It lasted about it a month. <laughs> no, I did it longer than that. <laughs> longer than that? It was longer than that. Two months? No, it was like six months. Was it really? Yes. Hmm. You live. I, I feel like that's an undertaking. But it, really when you it's lean a big one. <laughs> diapering and even cloth diapering, when you lean into it and you decide like diapers do not rule my world. I rule my world. And there are reasons why I want to do it differently or have a different approach to it. Then all of a sudden you wash your hands after and it's fine. You connect with your kid and you tickle them every time. And it's like rub their little tummy or kiss them on the cheek. Just use it as a trigger to actually like touch your child, hug them, make this diaper changing experience like a fun bonding moment that they are never going to remember yeah. because they're me, but you are. And it's going to pave the way for connection in the future. Something Ashley's just changed recently is like when George runs away or says no when we uh, 
when All we the want time. him to do something. He just turned three, and he's recently decided that we are not people <laughs> to be listened to. Yeah, he's just she's just like, I'm going to tickle you, and then it turns into like this fun thing, and I admire that about Ashley because I am inclined to just get really mad. It's a trigger for most parents when kids yeah. are just like, I choose to ignore you now. It's just a trigger. So yeah. I'm just, I try not to let myself be triggered. So I'm Ashley's really like, I'm going to tickle you so much. And then it turns into like this laughing fest and then it eventually gets done with some kicking and and, la- and punching and trying to run away and stuff. But still, Ashley's attitude is different. And I admire Ashley. that about her. That's awesome. That's <laughs> perfect. That's a perfect example. Like toddler tantrums. Yeah. How do you handle it? If you match their toddler tantrum, guaranteed, it's not going to be a meaningful moment. But when you approach it with fun or you approach it with curiosity or intrigue or something that makes them rethink their their default, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of a sudden you're in control again, just yeah. as easy as that. Well, it's kind of like that statement you made with Ralphie, like how you react to a mess kind of illustrates how you how you, how much you want that person in your home. I think it's the same for emotions, like how you react to emotions of a person reflect yeah. how much like what you really want how much you really want that person in your home maybe like not really but that's how it's interpreted by the child oh, I think completely like yeah, I, totally. I would never want not I would never want George to be taken from my home but he might feel that way based on my reactions yeah. to his like the mess he makes or the footprint he makes on our house yes so yes and messes can be physical but they can be emotional and I have a three-year-old too and let me tell you we are it is an emotional mess most of the time Uh such a mess (laughs) how are you handling that oh you know some days better than others yeah (laughs) but but when i have taken care of myself first and when i realize like oh i'm hungry oh i'm tired oh it's not that big of a deal that my kid is running around naked for 15 minutes it just really is not that big of a deal i can just let him calm down let me cool down grab a granola bar and then we reapproach the problem of getting pants on or whatever it is, right? Uh-huh. You just kind of you, you don't need to, to react to the mess in a controlling power struggle sort of way. Stay tuned for more Big Little Life with the Dashleys. We are supported by trust and will. You guys, it is so important to have a will spelled out, ready to go for your family. Can't explain how much peace of mind it brings to Ashton and I knowing that if anything happens to us, heaven forbid, that our family, our kids, our assets, everything is taken care of in our will. And we made it online and it is so easy with trustandwill.com. Trustandwill.com makes getting a legal will easy and affordable for everyone. It's 10 minutes to finish online. It is a lot easier than you would think. And estate plans start at just $39. They offer guardianships, wills, and trusts in all 50 states. They even have people available to instantly answer any questions you may have during the process. Seriously, it's so easy. Do it for your family. Do it for your loved ones. Do it for yourself. Guardianships start at $39, wills at $69, and trusts at $399. Visit trustandwill.com slash big little to automatically receive 10% off your purchase of a guardianship, will, or trust. Again, that's trustandwill.com slash big little to automatically receive 10% off your purchase of a guardianship, will, or trust. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? 
Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In your book, you talk a lot about like how to take care of your home, not like how to upkeep it, but like how to kind of shift your home a little bit to make it more homey. But you also talk about relaxing and in every section for every month, you you kind of give a new way to relax in your home and how to Mm -hmm. just kind of like not stress out so much about everything which I, I like talked to Dallin after I read it and I was like, we need to do this more. Like we can just (laughs) relax. Like it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay that our house is a mess 80% of the time. Like if we didn't work from home, it would be cleaner, but we do. And it's just, just like, I don't know what happened in our society where it just became unacceptable to, to have imperfection in, in your life, like in your body, in your mental status, in like, your education in your home I don't know when it where it happened but it's just it's really like a hole you have to like physically and purposefully jump out of to not have it control your life it really is and to me it's one of our greatest uh, opportunities maybe but to jump out of that hole of perfectionism with our bodies with our families with like our family photos, even we're just presenting this human Mm -hmm. seeing to the world and we forget (laughs) that we're human beings. And then isn't it so refreshing when you walk into a friend's house and they like look like a bomb went off and you're like, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Somebody else has a real life. We all have real lives. Well, it's so refreshing when you walk in and they just don't care. And you're like, are you okay? I can leave. Like, it looks like you're you're really, and they're like, no, I just, (laughs) it's fine. I don't care. We actually live here. I just want to be like, where did you come from? Like, who raised you? I want that person in my life. You You do, though, because you know that when you have a bad day and you're a mess, you show up to that friend with the mascara running down your face and your kid who you didn't win the pants on game with. And you're like, we're a mess. And she's like, of course you are, because you're real. Come on in. Don't Mm -hmm. sit on a Lego. You're welcome here. Mm -hmm. You wrote in your book, I wrote this down, you said, Society tells us we need to look a certain way ourselves and that our homes also need to look a certain way. Throw it out the window. Today, look how you are and live how you are. Just be you today. And I loved that. That's good. We just need someone whispering that into our ear every morning. Just be you today. It's okay. I get lost in the whole like, oh, my sister does this and my mom does this and they're so great. And if I don't like doing that, something must be wrong with me. But I think we're just all so different. Or at least my subliminal mind thinks that. But my reactionary Mm -hmm. mind is like, nope, you need to be like them. Nope, you need to be better. And just kind of leaning into the, it's okay to just be you. So talk about relaxing a little bit, Carly. Like, what is is your, I didn't read the book yet. So what is is it that you get, you try to get across to people about just relaxing a little bit more? I feel like it all comes down to this feeling of control and choice and agency 
where we have been raised by parents and we have been raised in society. And those are all wonderful gifts, but they at the end of the day, they are suggestions. So take what your mom does, take what your sisters do, take what the ladies do down the street or your auntie, whoever, or your best friend, what they do is a gift and it should be treasured and then decide how it works for you. So we need just a a little bit of agency component of this control component where my house, my decision, oh, my mom likes to, I don't know, rinse her dishes and then put them to the side of the dishwasher of the of the sink and then load the dishwasher. We know and my best friend likes to rinse and load directly. What do I like to do? Let's try both and then decide. And all of a sudden, no longer you aren't shooting yourself anymore. That's <laughs> something my daddy always says. Stop shooting yourself. Shooting there's yourself. No, there's no shoulds when it comes to really home care, right? There's ways that might lead to better happiness. There's paths that have been trodden and and paved for us. Should we choose to take them? But there's a million roads to follow, to have a beautiful, organized, loving, cyclical home. And we get to choose. What do you mean by cyclical? So every, I mean, homes, homes have stages. Uh So you have four stages of a home. You use your things. It becomes messy. You clean it up and then you have a clean house. So you just go all around the circle multiple times a day. And when we get stuck in feeling like one stage is better, more useful, more morally correct than the other stages, that's when we should ourselves. (laughs) When we think that clean is the only place where we are a good person and we should stay in the clean stage, um, we're missing out on a lot. There's a lot to be had in the clean stage. We know this. Like We feel more peaceful when it's clean. We feel like we can use our things more efficiently. We don't feel as overwhelmed. But if we never use our things and make a mess and, and, and participate in the cleaning of the mess, we're, we're missing out. And then we feel guilty three quarters of the time our house is going through this cycle. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then uh, you, you mentioned like the, being obsessed with control and like probably making your kids feel bad because you're stuck in feeling like the first stage of the cycle, the clean stage is the only acceptable stage. But like, this is something I've struggled with. And the question I have is like, where is the balance between wanting your kids to obey you and not like destroying their, their sense of will, you know, like you don't want just compliant, I don't know, like kids who don't make any decisions for themselves, you know, but also you need to like teach them obedience to their parents. And, but, and I don't, but I don't want to squash their, you know, their, fire inside so how do you how do you do what what do you tell people about that it's tricky it's tricky because we have a default reaction of respect like you need to respect me by obedient obeying me Uh obedience equals respect but really they don't have a frontal lobe so their capacity to like make that connection is going to be learned and the way they learn that is through being exposed over and over again to love over 18 years until they launch, right? Ideally. So as we, we just teach them every day and we teach them that our things are less important than our people. And the reason we ask you to do certain things is because certain consequences come from them. And it's really about your happiness, sweet child. Don't, don't climb on the table. First of all, it kind of makes the table messy with your feet, 
we've been out running around and you have bugs squished on them and don't run them all over my kitchen table. And I'm kind of worried that you're going to fall and hit your head. Do you understand? And then my three-year-old will say, yeah. And then he keeps running, Uh but then I can walk away and I can say, okay, if you choose to be on the kitchen table, you're going to need to wipe it down. And if you get hurt, that's going to be sad. But really that's kind of where it ends, you know, like if it's not about my kid, my worth being based on my kid's respect of me, then the whole ball game changes. I can walk away and then he gets down and I hand him the spray bottle and the rag and I say, okay, time to clean the table. And then he does usually. And then, and if he falls down, I say, oh, I'm so sorry that you got hurt. Darn it. We were on the table. What do you think about being on the table? And usually he'll say, bad idea. (laughs) It's our job to, to teach them that there are consequences and to, to help explain to them that they're loved no matter what but that they can test those consequences if they want. And then when they get older, when they're teenagers, you can say, okay, risky behavior A, what are the consequences? And then they'll be used to this whole consequences thing. They'll be able to lay it out for you and you can help them fill in any gaps. And then we all know that teenagers can do whatever the heck they want. Mm-hmm. You can't like put a, a teenager in your in your baby carrier anymore or your stroller, right? You, they, ultimately, it's their decision. And so if you know that you can trust their decisions and they know that they can trust their decisions, and that messes are okay, you can get through anything. Huh. Well, I'll probably need to go back and re-listen to this. I love that. <laughs> just because it's like... It's Carly, just... I want you to be my new best friend for life. <laughs> <laughs> best friends, on board. <laughs> yeah. So it's... Okay, so it's like... So a parent who is obsessed with their child obeying them for the sake of respect is kind of missing the mark a little bit because it's not about them... It's not... Ultimately, it's not about them obeying... Do you want me to jump Respecting in? you, it's about... I'm just trying to make sense of this in my head. It's about them learning the consequences of their actions for themselves. Well, I think like right. the big conundrum right. of parenting is is like suddenly your child turns 18 and in an instant they're not a child anymore and you don't know how to treat them and your child doesn't know how to like treat themselves. Make like their own decisions. Like Dallin and I still don't feel like grownups and we just want to. We just want to feel like, no, sure, yeah. like adults or like people like I don't want to walk into a room of like women my same age and feel like I need to be respectful to them. And I just have that and I don't I don't want that. I don't, it's just like a weird feeling to still feel like a child in the presence of adults because and I don't think my parents did that to me. I don't even know what happened. But I just never yeah. really felt like I grew up. Like I've always just wanted someone to tell me what to do or like making decisions is stressful and I think like the point or like what I got from what Carly said was just like maybe start now like start when they're just three and just two and be like you know what you're a human and one day you're going to be a grown-up and and you're you're basically in charge of your body like I can't always be watching you I want you to make good choices I'm going to chime in when I think you're making a bad choice but it's up to you kind of. And like, there will be, there are logical consequences to every action. Yep. And a lot of those include family rules or things that they can't understand yet. Like if you jump on that table, it's going to actually break. And actually that's a problem for our family because of this. Therefore, if you choose to jump on the table, I need you to pay me a dollar so that we can buy a new one. If it breaks, that's a family rule at our house. So then they can choose to jump on my furniture and I don't particularly enjoy it. I like my furniture, but they pay me a dollar. And if it's sometimes it's worth it to them, they'll be like, I want to jump on the couch. Here's a dollar. I'm like, all right, 
that's a family rule, I guess, you know, and we can adjust it if things get crazy or whatever, but just that approach of like, there's actually like, they're just little and there's actually a consequence that they feel strongly because they don't have that many dollars and they would rather buy something at the store than jump on the couch. But if you can help them kind of see that it's less about respect me, respect our furniture, you will do what I say. It's more like, well, there's a, there's a problem that we're trying to address. And I think you'll be happier choosing a gumball probably yeah than paying me for our couch yeah and uh yeah it's just like man that's just so different to how like to all the like parenting i've seen modeled it's like in in my mind like the default parent probably what i would do default is like punish them by putting saying they have to go to their room until they're ready to be respectful of the for i don't know of you of me of me of you like follow the rules or but you're just like okay you just have to clean it and then you just like don't let it bother you at all that's that's the goal and I wish that I could say that I was 100% good at it but as I've been experimenting with this and getting out of my default uh it's been really positive in my home the other day my my uh four-year-old grabbed a marker and was drawing on the wall and looking at me over his shoulder like he was doing it on purpose right Uh (laughs) i i was mad mom that's why i did it and i said oh i'm sorry you're frustrated well here's a rag why don't you clean that up and then come talk to me and that's what he did (laughs) (laughs) like okay i guess i don't have to get mad and like lose my own self-control and act like a four-year-old myself i can show him Oh, if we're upset, we just talk to one another. Here, clean up this mess, and then then let's address your feelings because you're important. But yeah. I don't care about my wall; I care about you. Or at least care about you more than the wall. It, well, yes, exactly, exactly, because we do care about our things, and there are there ours to maintain and take care of in a, a very almost sacred way. I would say, right? Like yeah. we're yeah. entrusted with our possessions, but our possessions are there to support our relationships. Yeah. And that's, and those are the number one. The relationship is the most important. Yeah. Chase and I, my husband, we really like to watch Caesar Milan. Have you guys ever seen Caesar Milan? The dog whisperer. Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) We feel like some of our best parenting advice has come from him. And he says, (laughs) as he's training the dogs and the owner, really he's training the owners. uh, He tells them first trust, then respect. So that's the same with our kids. When, they can trust us to not be freaked out and not to think that they're the worst because they made mistakes. They can trust us to have this unconditional positive regard for them. Then they respect us and they stop doing the stuff that we hate because they love us because we love them. That's awesome. Trust first, then respect. We feel that's really yeah. good. how you feel about Caesar Milan, how it's really just for teaching people how to be better people. That's how we feel about Daniel Tiger. It's not really a show for kids. Daniel. It's just a show to, to teach parents, like a secret government move to just really it totally is. grow a better parenting population. It really is so, so true. I like, I, I watch that show and I take notes. I'm like, what? Oh yeah. Did you hear what she said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Like, or, or I'm alone in my room and I'm like, take a deep breath and down the board. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mama Tiger. Thank you, Mama Tiger. You're getting us through. She is everyone's mother. Mm -hmm. Um, So we are in a weird and strange time where everyone is stuck at home right now because of quarantine or social distancing. And we have so many people 
us included who are in like our little Dashley family community who are just struggling to figure out how to coexist with with their family in ways that they've never coexisted before um and and mess is a big thing we did like I know you did a thing on with with simply on purpose where you had people share their messy toy room and we kind of had people share their messy quarantine rooms um and you talk a lot about defining a mess and and I'm I'm get I'm guessing that you define a mess differently than how other people define a mess or it has a different like emotional response for you than for other people and I'd love to hear your insight on defining a mess and like what that means to a person and then also like bringing to light kind of our biological responses to messes and maybe how to shift those absolutely I loved your guys's mess campaign I'm gonna call it the mess campaign (laughs) I loved it I just felt like these are my people when people show you their laundry clean laundry especially piled up high I'm like thank you thank you like I just am a real person all of a sudden Yep. I can like take a big breath and it's not a moral issue anymore. I loved it. I love seeing that on your guys' feed. Um, so messes, when you Google like what is a mess, it's going to pop up with the feeling of confusion, difficulty, untidiness. And I think that's exactly what I mean by a mess. And actually when you, when you type it in, it's going to come up with the state of confusion difficulty or untidiness. And I would like to say I, my change is that it's the feeling because I have been in people's immaculate houses and they are worried and fluttering about sweeping up crumbs or wiping smudges off of whatever as I walk through because it's not quite up to snuff. Um, so they feel like it's in this difficulty or untidy state where I would say that it isn't mm-hmm. right. So Um, The research that I have done has shown that above and beyond what exists in actual real life, how we perceive our environments determines our family relationship outcomes. So if we, yeah, if we feel like our house is crowded, untidy, uh, embarrassing, especially uh, those kind of feelings, we behave in ways that are not conducive to connection. Whereas if we, if like, if it was just based on how it was, you could clean your house and have an awesome family. It just doesn't work that way. It's how you're perceiving everything. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like when grandma says the meat is probably not that good. My food is a little dry (laughs) or it's messed up. But you're like, no, grandma, this is fine. You're like, what do you mean? Let's just chill and have dinner. You know, right. (laughs) Kind of like that. Exactly. Exactly that. Whereas, when you're just learning how to cook, you're like, this is the best thing ever. And your grandma's like, it's actually burned. It just depends <laughs> on your perception. You can, and it can go either way. And we see this a lot in diet culture where your, your brain can get skewed about actually what reality is. But what's determining is what you're thinking about it. So this is the same with your house. If you're feeling like, oh, drudgery, mundane, worst ever, how quarantine, crowded, claustrophobic, annoying, loud, overstimulated, um, overwhelmed, then you're going to experience hardness (laughs) more Mm -hmm. than if you can get into like the cyclical growth mindset of we make a mess, we clean it up, hard times for everybody. How am I going to solve my problems? How 
do I get my kids energy out? How do I work in a quiet place right now? Not, I can't, I can't, I can't. How, how, how instead. Yep. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So the way that I approach messes, I call it my three secrets because they all start with a C. And the this is the, the secrets <laughs> of approaching a mess and keeping your head on straight. And this, this applies to physical messes or emotional messes or societal messes, like how we're kind of experiencing right now, right? Mm -hmm. Things are a little bit messy, untidy, difficult, confusing. Um, the first C is you stay calm. This goes back to what you were asking about biological responses. We need to keep our, our bodies calm. It could be the worst situation ever, but we need to stay calm. Uh, I feel like in all these CPR trainings I've had over the years, going to various camps, they always say first step, don't panic. And that's what I'm going to say here too. First step, don't panic because if you're panicked, it's all going downhill. You can't make good decisions. You're an animal brain, right? Right. Mm -hmm. so you, have, you have to breathe, count to four like Mama Tiger teaches us, sing whatever song you have to, do 10 push-ups, filter through your senses. What are three things I can see? What can I smell? How, how do I taste right now? What do I feel? What's the softest thing I can feel my body touching right now? It just kind of pulls you out of reaction mode. Keep your body calm and then once you feel like you're calm you can go to the next c which is connect which is where you look at the person who's made the mess or you look at the people around you and you decide to get curious so like with kid messes i feel like these are easy examples because they happen so much uh like with my son drawing on the wall the other day i see the mess my first instinct is like i'm gonna die He's drawing on my wall. Uh -huh. I hate cleaning up my wall. I'm going to die or he's going to die. For sure, it's getting real yeah, right now. Gonna die. Yeah. Someone's going to die. And I'm bigger right now. So I have a good advantage. Uh -huh. But if I can be calm and then give myself just a second, then I can connect with him. And what this looks like is looking at his eyes, touching him. I have to speak slowly, deliberately, because I'm, I am typically a fast talker. So I have to, if I talk more slowly... And then I can get curious. Oh, look, here's my little guy right now. <laughs> Hold on. So when we connect, we ask questions like, oh, tell me, a, tell me what's going on. Or that looks like a mountain that you just drew or blue marker. <laughs> wow. Well, a lot of times I'll just like say, say what they're doing. Like, oh, all of your bed is on the floor. Yeah. Oh, you dumped out the sensory flower. bin. The rice is everywhere. <laughs> oh, rice is everywhere. Tell me about it. And then that gives you a second to like recalibrate again if you need like a minute to stay calm again. And then they tell you about it. And usually there's a pretty good reason. It might not be like adult logical, but there's a reason. Like my kid said, I was mad at you, mom. So I chose to draw on the wall. Like he just said that to me when I asked him or um, like, I thought we were friends. <laughs> I know. Like, you understand what you're doing to me? Uh, yeah. Or my other son will say, like, I built a mountain because we're mountain climbers. And this is our cave. Like, they are in a different world. And so if you join them in the world by connecting, all of a sudden you can draw them out to your world. And they can see, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Or you can see, oh, maybe it's not that big of a deal. So then you can go into the third C, which is to clean it up. We eventually we need to clean up our messes and we want to take care of our homes. So that's when you say like, oh, you know what? Marker goes on paper. Here's a, a piece of 
whatever rag, <laughs> piece of uh, paper towel, uh-huh. and and it's wet. Will you go clean that up? Here's how we clean it up. We first do wet, then we do dry. Can you show me? And then they can do a skill. You have a good story under your belt. You have this memory together, and the mess is cleaned up. You're closer, and nobody has died. Mm-hmm. I loved the story you told about your dad, how one time your mom was out of town and you came home from school and your dad had cleaned the whole kitchen and moved all the furniture out of the way and had a huge tub of chocolate pudding and just let you like from what I got from the book you ice skated around the house with chocolate pudding or like slid around the house is that right that is exactly what happened and looking back on that as a mother, I'm like, he was out of his mind. What he was, was he thinking? He was crazy. And my mom's just like, why could he have not chosen vanilla? Why not vanilla pudding? <laughs> but, but you yeah. talked about, um, like, with that mess, the memory was bigger than the mess. And how with all messes in our life, we can try and approach them and make the memory that you make, like with your son, like playing in his cave with him, bigger than than the negative mess. Right. Right. Messes are just a thing. They're just a tool. And we are leaving these tools on the side of the road as we're driving through our lives. And then we're wondering, like, how do I connect with my kids? How do I build a strong family? How do I whatever? And I feel like the how is just right here in front of us a bajillion times a day. And if we can take a second to connect with each other or even create a big mess just to switch things up and show them that they matter uh it's it's game changing that's so cool you also talk a lot in your book um about home design and you mentioned that you are an expert at undesigning any room with five elements and i am so intrigued to know what those five elements are what do you mean by undesigning So undesign is what I call this process where you're going to hire a typical interior designer and she's going to come in and pick out your rugs and make sure your, your pillows accent and that everything goes a certain way and probably develop like an aesthetic feeling. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw everything out the window and we're going to say, who do you want to connect with and who do you want to become here? And then we build your house around that instead because really, it doesn't matter if your carpet is green or orange. doesn't matter. What matters is how you feel there and what you're willing to do there with your people. Huh. That sort of makes sense. So what are your five elements? So these five elements, the undesigned secrets. Okay. The first element, you need something with a story. So if you can find something that makes you curious, uh, something that makes people ask questions, something that you can use as a prop to tell your kids who they are and why they matter, stuff like that. So in our house, we have a big sign. I guess it's not even that big, maybe like 12 by 12. I ordered it off Etsy. Some girl painted me a sign and it said, this is water. And it refers to one of our favorite uh, uh, graduation talks by a man named David Foster Wallace. And it was called, this is water. You can look it up on YouTube. It's fantastic. And he talks about these two fishes swimming along and they meet an older gentleman fish and the older fish says to them, Hey fellas, how's the water? And then they just all keep swimming. And when he's out of earshot, the the two younger fish turn to each other and say, what the heck is water? And this is all to say that the things that are most important are right in front of us all the time. 
and we're swimming through the water right now. The very things that are most important are right in front of us. And we put it on our wall because we want to remember that first of all, but I love that every person who comes into my house and sits down at dinner and we're like hanging out for any substantial amount of time, they say, what's this is water. And it gives me a chance to say like, Oh my gosh, I just heard this greatest talk. You should look it up on YouTube. It will change your life because it changed mine. And it's an uplifting thing. Does that make sense? So you want something with a story for conversation's sake, but also for you to remember where you're going. Yeah. I really like that. This is water. Yeah. We should get something like that. I know. It's a conversation piece. Yeah, you talk a lot about putting things out there that that you want to remind you of like like making your home be like this this atmosphere that reminds you of your best self and encourages you to like mm-hmm. be happy or to like feel the be feel safe or to calm your anxieties. Oh, I loved that part of for one of the months you talked about um how like life can be really hectic. So put around your house like like mantras that remind you like if you have an anxiety whatever your anxiety is they're usually based in fear to like Mm -hmm. so have things that help you not feel afraid like whatever that may be like you are loved like you are safe you belong here I really liked that exactly exactly and then your home becomes like a therapist to you it becomes the most comforting place in the world where you can be yourself and become who you're intended to be and it almost makes these these uh shifts you're you're hoping for they becomes on autopilot because no longer do you have to think like i am loved i am loved i'm walking i am loved you just like feel it radiated back at you like your intentional poster on the wall is something about being loved and every mess you see is reminding you that you're loved you just have created almost like a memory mansion for yourself in physical real life to work on the things that you specifically need to be working on Right. And that is why like HGTV is so awesome and I'm addicted to every show on there, but it's not real and it's not like maximizing the opportunity that we have to make our homes individual. Yep. Hmm. It's kind of the shift that happens when like you create your home into a place that like makes you feel good versus your home is a place that is just so much work for you that you can mm-hmm. never finish or perfect. Exactly. Do you guys want to hear these rest of these secrets? Yes. Yes. We have something with a story, something from the earth, something inspiring, something imperfect, and something you just love. And if you can have all five of those things in each room, oh man, that's so much meaning. That's going to take you zero to 60 in 2.5. Yeah. Hmm. So that's how you decorate. um, That's meaningfully decorating a room. Yep. Yep. That's really cool. Because if you're not if you're not looking at like, all right, well, the store down the street has had it in their window, so I just bought it because I should do that. I should buy that thing because someone says I should. All of a sudden, you're like, actually, I am a Thornock, and we come from Texas, and here's the story of our ancestors. So here's why we have a cowboy hat, or where can I put my prized possession cowboy hat that was my grandpa's who was a dude rancher? Like, whatever, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I've always felt... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 that's exactly... I think you get it. Go ahead. I always felt that way about art, like a photo on the wall that I didn't take a picture of. I mean, it's, it's so fine. So many people have pictures on their wall that they didn't paint or take a photo of. But that's a little thing that I have. Like, I'd rather just go out and take my own photo and put that on the wall. Well, then it just has so much more memory and meaning and a story behind it versus like... I think like when I think of decorating our next house or this house, 
you get into this mindset where you're like, okay, like what's in style? What's what would be? Joanna Gaines do? What would Joanna do? But I Joanna is only doing like what is meaningful to her. I think that's why some people love her. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yep. Cool. You guys so, got so from the earth, is that like things that you go out and find together on a hike or something like stack mm-hmm. rocks, plants? Mm-hmm. There's so much cool research about how bringing nature into your home creates like better health and better feelings of communication like all this crazy research about having nature in your home it really makes your space so much better so if it's even just like a picture that you took in nature a big window that exposes a great view of nature any anything cool even even if it's more symbolic like this painting reminds me of my favorite flowers color that can even like get you there Mm -hmm. yeah carly i'm curious you you're like a researcher and I love researchers because I'm not one. And I think you have so much crazy knowledge that a lot of people don't have crazy in a good way, not a bad way. What's like, <laughs> I like either. What, it's fine. <laughs> what is exciting you right now in like the world of research? Like what is making you just like want to sh- shout, shout out your windows to the world that people are discovering about, about your like specific field? Oh, what a fun question. Um, I was just researching the World Happiness Research Institute. Have you guys ever heard of them? No. No. They are in Norway and they they celebrate they and they research everything like happiness. So Aren't they have they a like, world they're happiness. the happiest people in the world in Norway, right? Yep, yep. Uh, this their World Happiness Report started in 2012 and it's been every year since then and just on the 20th, they came out with the 2020 World Happiness Report. Uh, so I was just reading through it actually before we talked. And it's so fascinating that these Scandinavian countries are historically on the, on the top. This year, it's Finland. And the, the things that they do are primarily related around balancing their life. So if you're super rich in Scandinavian countries, they're like, oh, what's wrong? what's wrong with him why is he not balanced is he okay (laughs) like they're concerned about you and and this happiness is directly correlated to how you feel about the course of your life and I love that because happiness isn't our stuff happiness isn't like being able to go to work or to the library uh specifically right now happiness is about feeling balanced and being able to feel like you have a sense of control and taking pride in the way that you're living your life I love that yeah (laughs) Wow. So are there no rich people in these Scandinavian countries? Uh, no, there are definitely rich people. Or are there happy but... rich people? <laughs> yes, but they just approach it in a completely different way. It's not money for money's sake. They don't make themselves sick or neglect their family relationships, usually in the search of money, because they realize that being well-rounded is the most important thing. And then may the money may the money rain from heaven, right? Right. <laughs> but it's, it's not the, the purpose of their existence. That's not the end goal. Yeah. That's really good. What is it, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of on the same avenue of happiness, you wrote in your introduction, you said, and I wrote this down too because I thought it was so good. You said, all too often we find ourselves grown up and craving a sense of adventure, self-directed purpose, and whimsy. And I think like everyone who's growing up, like teenagers think like, oh, as soon as I'm, I'm like a grown up, I'll have it. And then they get there and they're like, wait. <laughs> It was when I was a teenager. <laughs> I know, um, right? <laughs> and you say, surprisingly, the answer is not buying a second house on the beach 
or surviving until retirement. These are like all things Dallin and I fantasize about to finally feel alive again. Rather, the answer is creating the life you love now. Rather, the answer to creating the life you love now is merely a perspective shift with a few tweaks around the house. Um, we don't, we want to definitely like respect your time here. We know you're taking time away from your family. So kind of to end this podcast, what, what are your few tweaks around the house? Like what, what would you suggest everyone kind of like take a minute or take a month or take a year? Maybe it takes a year. You do one thing a year, um, and kind of tweak. I would reevaluate your why. First of all, I would really analyze if you're in the rat race for rat race's sake to buy bigger, better, or to get, get the shoulds. And, uh, then then go from there and do your best to be true to what you really, really want. Determine your priority and live accordingly. And don't let messes get in your way. And don't let what somebody else perceives as important throw you off. In uh, this happiness study that I was just reading, they talk about two words. One is called Luca and one is called glad, essentially. And they are the two words that these Norwegians use for happiness and the Luca is more an elusive state of happiness more this like I won the lottery once in a lifetime she said yes to my proposal I'm finally happy and then this glad uh, idea is more this down-to-earth mindset of I can be happy anywhere no matter what is happening to me no matter what's going on around me I can just choose to be content and that's what I would encourage people to do Decide what they really need and what they really want, and then be content and love it. Cool. Man, yeah, I'm just going to go back and listen to this again and make like 10 uh, artboards for our walls. All, all these Do quotes it. that you're giving us. <laughs> oh, I wrote them all down already. Oh, good. Oh, my God. You'll take pictures of things that represent it to your heart, and then you'll put them up, and it will be beautiful. Cool. I love that. Well, Ashley's always been against vinyl lettering on our walls. I don't want it on. I don't want vinyl lettering. I would maybe like an like an Etsy store where they can frame it for you, and it's like beautiful art that you can take I'm off of your wall Ashley. if you want to move I'm it somewhere else. <laughs> or just paint your wall. Get out a can of turquoise paint and write whatever speaks to your heart in the biggest letters you can across an entire wall. Why not? Why not? Okay. We're grownups. It's our house. And then talk to your wife about it, obviously. And make sure you're both on the same page. Yeah. We're YouTubers. <laughs> we can do weird stuff to our house like that. Um, cool. Might as well. Carly, thank you so much for doing with this with us. We want to have you back as often as we can. I think there's so many like avenues to walk down around this topic and so many awesome questions that we could have people write in so i think it'd be so fun to have you back it'd be so fun you guys are so amazing and wonderful i love what you're doing and thank you for including me <laughs> thank you carly um yeah this isn't the last time oh what ash oh i was gonna say carly where can people find you like where can they find your book give them all oh, the yes. so i am at intentionalhouse.com and you can also find me at intentional house on instagram or you can search my book on Amazon if you want to go that route, and it's there for you to order. Sweet. And I highly recommend it. It's it's like a fast read, but it has so many good tidbits. I took like three pages of notes. Really, a <laughs> really good, great book, Carly. Thank you. All right. Thanks for joining us, Ashley Fam, as always. And we will talk to you in the next podcast.